For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. It's time for this week's Friday Morning GM with my co-host, Voss Laricos of Baltimore Beatdown. Voss, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Doing very well. Big weekend of Baltimore sports uh, right around the corner here. Excited for that and hoping the Ravens can uh, pull off the AFC North road sweep. Looking forward to it for sure. And and after watching the um, wild card series in the AL and seeing how quickly it all ended, for both the Jays and Rays, and no no tears are being shed, and yet, you know, you, you also kind of worry that those were two pretty good teams that got ousted pretty quickly. The Orioles will have a five-game series to try and prove themselves uh, against a, a good Rangers team. So, you know, it's certainly a, a, a be a challenging series for them at the at the very least. I do know Fangraphs has them as the lowest probability now of the four AL teams to win the World Series. Hmm. Fan, Fangraphs has been against them from all season, haven't they? Uh, yeah, it just shows that the uh, winning the division, um, you know, getting get that five-game series instead of the three-game, how crucial that is. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's let's move on to the Ravens here. We, we certainly want to talk uh, primarily, I think, about a fluid injury situation. A lot of possible week five returns. Yes, indeed. Um, so I guess the most notable one is Keaton Mitchell. Um, being activated or designated to return. So I believe he has a three-week window, 21 days. Um, the question is, what are the Ravens going to do at running back in the meantime? They currently have only two running backs on the active roster, one of them being Justice Hill, who is uh, dealing with uh, a hamstring as well as a turf toe injury now. And Melvin Gordon is out of activations. Uh, and Drake has two remaining, and Keaton Mitchell could be activated at any time. So I think that's probably the first place to start. So your your guess here, because I, I, I it's pretty clear to me what might happen. I think I think Mitchell gets activated this week based on him being, a, I think, a full participant, right? Not a limited. In the, he was in the full, correct? Yes, yeah, he so was. That's a that's a pretty strong indication he'll he'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, the Ravens also have a problem that they've been kind of wasting a uh, elevation on a running back, which has been decreasing their flexibility other positions actually caused them to have nine offensive linemen this last week again that maybe a little bit later but it makes more sense for me that mitchell would be a guy who could uh carry the rock of, of quite a few times edwards played very well this week i really hope that hill is able to go but if he isn't then drake is a is the logical elevation i don't think they want to elevate or um sign gordon to the 53 
Right. In order to, to sign Gordon, they'd have to release somebody that's currently, you know, it'd most likely be uh, Josh Johnson, the quarterback. We've mentioned that a few times previously. Uh, Melvin Gordon has developed a reputation in the Ravens fan base as a good pass blocker. And, uh, and I think you and I have discussed that a few times and the stats don't back that up. And that just seems like one of those tropes that, oh, he's a veteran. He must naturally <laughs> be a good pass blocker. And uh, it's not really true. And you have Gus Edwards, who's a very good pass blocker. We saw him uh, lay a, a real nice block on Miles Garrett this last week. And you have Patrick Ricard. If desperate times really need you to to put a big good pass blocker back there. So I don't see any use for Gordon going forward. He did have a, a couple of decent runs last week. But Mitchell gives you more present value and certainly more future value. Yeah, absolutely. And Mitchell is the big 2024 player. Uh, in that running back room, obviously, he's, he's absolutely critical that the Ravens do that. He'll he'll will be around too, and he might be of real value next year. But is he's got a spotty injury history, so he's, it's not someone you want to absolutely rely on. Mitchell, you know, a, a speed merchant who the Ravens uh, hopefully could really make use of, not just in the run game but in the pass game as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving on to uh, two other full participants, Rashad Bateman. Um, really would have been nice if he wouldn't. Being able to stay healthy during his last two-game stretch when Beckham was out, but uh, at least he returned to full practice with a hamstring. And Marcus Williams with the uh, pectoral issue, uh, we thought there was a chance he could suit up last week. Um, did not, but, uh, you know, you start stacking four and five full practices together, you think he's going to be activated soon. I, I would think so. Or if if he's really not ready to go, they got to be thinking about what is the p- potential for an IR at this point. So if there, if there truly is something they're not liking, uh, maybe his, you know, his bench numbers, his strength numbers, or something are down. Uh, maybe he's not moving properly. I don't think that would be the case with a pec injury, but maybe he's not hitting in the way he normally would. Um, then you got to start thinking about an IR move, and because that roster spot is is at a premium right now. I actually think if Williams returns, I do think it will be this week that he plays on the back end. And I think now Geno Stone, we just talked about a potential contract extension for him last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Geno Stone has played now too well to be removed. And I think it fits the Ravens' needs more, although Mallette played great. It's great to have this problem, by the way. Tev Hamilton moved back to slot, um, really impact the game up front the way he did for one week and, and a few snaps of a, of a second before Worley got hurt. Um, I, I think that's the, the alignment that makes sense for the Ravens. I completely agree with that. I think it gives you the best of all worlds and the impact of Hamilton and I think that should be the alignment not only for Minner this season, but hypothetically the next few years down going down the road. Hamilton is just such a chess piece when he has that ability to play close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Okay. So now you're the next several years, we haven't got Stone back yet. And he's unfortunately Stone is playing himself right out of Baltimore right now with this with this great season so far. We'll see how that works out. Maybe they right. figure it out during the year, but they they could still develop another safety. They've got guys, uh, you know, they got another guy on the practice squad in Lucien. They've got other players that uh, it could could be in their future plans as well. Yes, yes, and safety we've seen a position where they can. Uh, they're very good at developing safeties. No question about it. Uh, next player, Ronnie Stanley. Uh, I believe two full uh, practices last week, uh, and then a limited on Friday, so he did not get a uh, jersey on Sunday. And with Morgan Moses now did not practice uh, on Wednesday. We haven't seen Thursday yet. We're recording it right as they hit the field. They need him to play this week, Ronnie Stanley. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it might just be one of those tough conversations that Eric DaCosta has to sit down and say, Ronnie, we know you're not 100%. We know you're 85% or 90, 90%, but we paid you 
I looked this up, $84 million <clears throat> paid Ronnie Stanley so far. So, uh, yeah. This, this incredibly, there's, there's a, a great reference that is an a, analogy to this I just love. But in the book Ball Four by Jim Bouton, great book, by the way, if you haven't read it, it's tape-recorded musings of the 1969 Seattle pilots. So it's very oh. obscure stuff, but very it's very well done. It's extremely well written. Um, anyway, Bouton talks about his experiences in, in in years earlier with Mickey Mantle. And he he came up, I think, in 62, and he was a star in like 63 and 64 for those Yankee teams that went to the World Series and lost. But the, mm -hmm. the, the point about him was that he had spent a lot of time with Mickey Mantle, and he really went into a lot of the negative stuff about Mickey Mantle. Some of the stuff they would, you know, go around with mirrors looking under hotel rooms and trying to spot women who were undressing and whatnot. <laughs> it's just it's some really weird stuff when you get right down to it. That's one of the things that makes the book kind of cool. But he said that that basically Ralph Houck, who was managing the Yankees at the time, would be sidling up, I think it was Houck, sidling up to to um, Mickey Mantle on the outfield, on the bench, in the dugout, you know, if he's just playing a little catch on the side every day and say, Hey, Mick, how's your knee feeling today? Mm -hmm. And Mantle would start to tell him about how injured he was. And he'd say, you know, we really need you out there today. And that's, it's kind of the way I feel about the Ronnie Stanley situation yeah. is, you know, it's, it, it might not be in his best interest. And yet the Ravens need him so badly right now. Um, they need him even to play at 60% of the Ronnie Stanley level, which basically I think, you know, he played at kind of a replacement level for his snaps that he was in there for week one. But mm -hmm. if he could play that or maybe a little bit above, uh, you know, with his current current condition, uh, boy, do the Ravens need somebody who can who can block a little bit on at one tackle position. Right. Absolutely. Second week in a row against a dynamic duo of edge rushers. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's giving the Ravens trouble, giving Lamar trouble more than any other team, really. So, yeah, you need Ronnie out there. Other than that, uh, well, I guess outside backer and offensive tackle, the injury report's starting to look a little bit brighter. Um, mm -hmm. You also have Marlon Humphrey returning to the field for the first time this season, as well as Odell Beckham for the first time in a couple weeks, both limited. Uh, Justice Hill and Jalen Armour Davis also limited this week. Yeah, so to, to me, Bateman is the big one to get back. That will really open things up in the passing game a lot. They don't really have a true X right now uh, that, that they can use. If Beckham can go back, it's just a bonus, just a bonus in terms of, yeah. of you know, providing an extra target out there. Lamar's done, did an incredible job moving around the pocket, but I will say this. The Ravens' offense is not at a stable level. It it, it cannot continue. The, the, the red zone success is completely unsustainable. It's at a, mm. It would be a historic level, so far beyond historical. So it's basically like a 450 hitter in April and expecting to hit 450 for the whole season. Right. 6.1 points per red zone drive. So that, that ain't happening. But what that means is the Ravens relatively middling points per drive has to stay at the same level by improvements in efficiency in other areas. And that's going to take a lot of personnel improvement because um, tremendous weakness in the offensive line across the board. It wasn't just the tackle positions. They were the worst, but it was really weak across the board last, um, uh, you know, in the game against the Browns. Um, they didn't really run the ball as effectively as they had. Um, they did, you know, if you, Hill had some good runs. He had some good touches, Gordon, good runs, good touches, but um, they weren't tremendously effective uh, doing anything offensively in this last game. And, and uh, they, they need to get their series success rate, which is the most critical factor other than that red zone, maybe 
get back get that back up into the 75% range. It was 68% over the last two weeks combined. Yes, completely agree. Uh, unsustainable, as you said. So I think, you know, you really need to get – you need to have Ronnie Stanley back. If you don't have Ronnie, you're looking at um, – McCarry on the left, Falalele on the right. Falalele struggled last week against uh, Watt and Highsmith. Um, that's a recipe for trouble, uh, especially when you don't necessarily have the difference makers at receiver that you had to start the season who can take, help alleviate some of that pressure. Um, so, yeah, they, they need Ronnie back. The other player I'd like to mention from the injury report, not even on the injury report quite yet, is Tyus Bowser. He was eligible to return. He has – apparently been doing work off to the side and in an interview said he's not ready. And uh, there are some whispers that there's a little frustration inside the castle with the, uh, the injury timeline recovery. Um, and just since this is the GM show, I would make mention 5.5 million available in cap savings. If he is released after this season, Tyus, which, uh, which maybe is enough to go towards keeping Michael Pierce or somebody like that. Well, you know, that's an interesting point. And if, if they could get a Kyle Van Noy back for another year, that might make sense. I, 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 I'd hate to see Tyus Bowser go because he's the best at what he does in the NFL. But the NFI designation, that's why it exists. They've got him on this. He got injured away from the facility. I, we don't know how. Um, you know, with Suggs, it was a pickup basketball game. They did not NFI him with other players. Um, where it's happened before they were drafted, they have not necessarily NFI'd him, as the, was the case with the Jabo. Um, mm-hmm. But – they they activated him. He got paid for his for his first year. I think in Bowser's case, uh, if there if there are frustrations, you know, allow the NFI designation to affect his salary for as long as it needs to. And that's a cap savings this year, not just next. So, right. Um, right. you know, you got a bonus uh, potentially from that. But uh, so other than that, you had Odafe away, uh, did not practice. Morgan Moses did not practice. Daryl Worley did not practice. But uh, you are you are getting healthier. I mean, if you look at the offensive side of the ball, you've had Lamar, both uh, offensive guards, and Zay Flowers are the only starters that haven't missed a game this year. So uh, four out of eleven. So yeah, it would be really nice to have Worley back for this next game because it allows the t- excuse me to stay in the uh, Hamilton nickel for longer mm-hmm. if there's some sort of injury on the back end. And Stone and Williams have both missed plays. So, right. And I was actually surprised, maybe not surprised, but uh, you know, having Worley um, as a starter in this last week, and unfortunately he got injured. But you know, there wasn't an indication that, that Hamilton was going to be moving to a full-time nickel job. Uh, but they did it anyway. And I, I think if he if Worley did not get injured, he would have played the full the full game. Oh yeah, and he the did the, the previous week. That's exactly what right. happened. So. Um, right. Yeah. And, and he he uh, he showed up and played well in that game in a sixth, roughly, that he played. This was about 10 steps, mm-hmm. I think, in this in this last week. And, yes, and it looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. Pass break up and a couple of good tackles. So I guess the question for me is Humphrey and Beckham. Uh, are they going to rush them back this week? Or are those players that you can look and say we're going to save them for London? Are you? Uh, well, let's ask the question this way. If you bring back. Humphrey, how do you integrate him into the lineup? Now, this is a GM show, but this is an organizational decision in part is, is do you, do you talk to Harbaugh about rotating him back in? So he gets a a ramp. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply up count of snaps and maybe starts around 20 or 30 um, in rotational play, perhaps with Stevens, while you continue what's been a very fine rotation on the other side um, at, at, at two cornerback spots. That much rotation seems odd, but the Ravens have done three for two in the past. I, I don't recall them ever right. doing four for two. I don't recall four for two. Um, was there a season with Tavon, Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith, and Marlon, and I think they – but then Tavon was mostly in the slot. I personally prefer that um, style of the 2018-2019 rate, even if everyone's fully healthy. I think that it's a – it can be a rotational position, just like receiver can be a rotational position where, you know, you want to bring in some fresh legs for for a nine route, and uh, you have somebody with fresh legs countering that. So, yes, I would definitely ramp up Marlon slowly – and because the other corners are playing so well, if Brandon Stevens and Rock and Darby were getting toasted every game, that'd be a different story. But they're all playing well, and Pittsburgh definitely doesn't have a passing offense necessarily scares you, um, nor does Tennessee the next game. Um, so I think uh, it would be prudent. You want Marlon Humphrey playing his best down the stretch and in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I, I'm uh... – I'm with you on that one to make sure I wasn't muted there for a second, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that entirely. I, I go with the rotation. The, you, the season you mentioned 2018, Marlon Humphrey won the team MVP award um, mm-hmm. playing irregularly in that, in that manner with, with a fair amount of rotation. He, he gradually worked his way up till he was basically a full-time player at the end of the year. But uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a formula that has succeeded before. And I like your angle on it. They don't usually, um, or at least never that I've seen, have they replaced during a drive? Mm-hmm. Which and they haven't, for instance, with Yasin and Darby on the on the one side, they haven't done any in drive replacements. It's like one plays a couple drives, and Yasin plays a couple, and then Darby a couple, and then Yasin a couple, and then Darby usually finishes. So it's about a three to two relationship in snaps. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 uh, it's if it's all the same on one drive, you're not gaining the the, the fresh legs benefit on a play by play basis, but mm-hmm. you're you're showing them something a little bit different. And you're you're uh, you know allowing some people to to regain if they if they have some wind issues or whatnot they can they can take a series or two off. I think it's worth giving Eric DeCasa some praise when you entered training camp with a pretty uh, sketchy situation at cornerback, and then your top two really all three starters got hurt during training camp, um, and now you're in a position where you're entering week five and you almost have uh, too many corners, so, and that's including some players getting hurt during the season. So. And definitely kudos to finding some Darby in particular and also developing and developing Brandon Stevens to the coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give some numbers that support that thing. These are the, just the Ravens outside corners. I'll add Millette to this group. 
the quarterback, opposing quarterback passer rating and yards per target. Brock Yassin, opposing quarterback rating 59. Yards per target, 3.7. Brandon Stevens, opposing passer rating of 79. Yards per target are 6.84. Uh, Arthur Mollette, opposing passer rating 74.3. Yards per target, 4.0. Kayvon Seymour, opposing passer rating 56.3. He was only targeted twice for one yard, so yards per target, 0.5. Ronald Darby, uh, 75.9 against him. And yards per target. Darby's having a fantastic year, by the way. 4.9. He's been targeted 25 times. So they've picked on him maybe a little bit, second most after Stevens. Only given up 123 yards this year. Right. Uh, Right. Outstanding. Outstanding. Really, uh, not to get at the scheme, but I think Mike McDonald has done a masterful job through the first four games of this season. No question about it. So uh, I think we're pretty much through the injuries. If we want to move on to some practice squad uh, uh, adjustments and additions, Ravens lost Deron Harmon. Uh, essentially, they opted for Daryl Worley over Deron Harmon the last few games, and I guess Harmon believed he had a better opportunity elsewhere, especially with Mitchell. I'm sorry, Williams coming back. Uh, brought back DeAndre Houston Carson, who was a safety, played a little bit in uh, the preseason. Also picked up Trey Swilling, a corner, actually the corner that got into the fist fight with George Pickens when they were in college, which may be the, one of the character concerns why he wasn't on some players' boards. And uh, probably the biggest one is Eric Tomlinson, former Raven, filled in admirably for an injured Nick Boyle in 2020 and parts of 2021. And I think he's be- brought back mostly for uh, his ability to help uh, chip lock uh, pass protection and help out the injured offensive tackles. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And I, I want to return to Tomlinson in just one second because Swilling and, and Carson, to me, are pure um, – emergency contingency type players. I, I don't see Carson, Houston Carson seeing the field at all. Um, if if things go normally, I don't think he's a long-term guy at all because he's, what, a seventh, eight-year player. Uh, he's been in the league a number of years. Uh, Swilling is a uh, a lottery ticket at corner who, who honestly has never been particularly good. I, I don't think he's played a single pro snap on defense, and this is – uh, he's been in three camps over two years. Is that's how I call it? He's a twenty-two draftee. Does that sound right? or non-draftee? Sorry, I should say. I think so. Um, yes. So, uh, so anyway, that's uh, uh, we're not talking about anybody who's who's likely to play. The case of Tomlinson, I think it's very different. Um, I think that he's a guy who um, the Ravens know what he can do. Uh, you're you are not bringing in a receiving threat at all. They, they've thrown to him. He's effectively less than a Ricard receiving threat. They've thrown to him twice in 23 games as with one reception um, uh, as a Raven. And he is known as an outstanding inline blocker. I think they want to take some of that responsibility away from Andrews and make sure Andrews can line up split. And Tomlinson is a guy I expect to be activated pretty much right away. Um, and so that means you're adding a player like Charlie Kolar to a group, probably Kolar himself, Obviously, you're not satisfied with his blocking. That's well indicated by this move. Okay, right. And that they would like to, uh, you know, get Tomlinson in there because if you if you if you otherwise were okay with it, Kolar is a much more dangerous receiving threat. You would put him at the end of the line. He'd do take over some blocking responsibilities. He could help you chip Miles Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Highsmith, whoever it might be, 
And we just really haven't seen that from him. And, and also he's had some uh, some difficulties receiving. Right. So this game going forward, probably the next two games actually, uh, going up against Ogden um, Fronts, I expect that Tomlinson may be activated and uh, Kolar may be uh, deactivated yeah. for the game. As long as the numbers work out. I know last week they activated every single person that was healthy, really the last two games. Uh, but hopefully some of these players are getting healthy and instead of choosing between some of these extra you know, ninth offensive lineman, et cetera. You're, uh, you're putting a player that's in line to contribute. Yeah, and, and that is really a key thing because the Ravens may need to make some moves in terms of IR if they can't do that. And if whatever move for IR will come, will probably come Friday or Saturday to move somebody to, to elevate and sign somebody to, to, to make the switcheroos as close as possible to game time so that the Steelers don't have any practice after it. Not that they're not going to be game planning around who Eric Tomlinson is, even right. if they knew he's coming. In fact, the Steelers, and one of the things that the know your foe guy said is the Steelers practice on what the Steelers think they can do. Well, they don't care about their opponents, which is, hmm. is kind of like playing only your own cards at poker. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weakness. It's not a strength, by the way. I so. Completely agree. Completely agree. A little too, uh, hubristic, maybe uh, a little, you know, too focused on their own, but there's just, there's a lot of, Constant juggling, constant churning, churning the practice squad, churning um, who's being activated, churning who's on injured reserve. Um, you know, any player that comes back, they have to free up a spot. So if Tyus Bowser can come back in two weeks, or if David Ojaba can come back in five weeks, or Malik Ham, then Jeremiah Moon may be released. Same goes for uh, the defensive side of the ball. If Pepe or Darius Washington or any of those players, um, are to be activated, someone else has to be removed from the roster. Um, so it's it's been a very injury-prone start to the season, and I think the cost has done a great job of turning and giving Harbaugh at least a bare minimum of what he needs to be able to eke out some wins. Yeah, and, and maybe the other thing, I mean, obviously you had a great year so far, I think, from DaCosta in a lot of ways. But one of the things that that, that you could really point to is – the money spent on coaching has really paid off. And, and they've got two coordinators that, as of right now, we could not be more thrilled with. Monken has done new things to improve the red zone offense that I think – I'm not saying he's the only factor involved in that, but I think some of the um, scheme and spread has been better than it was under Roman, even though Roman had great red zone results in 2018. Um, I think what's been done recently is fresh to the league, and it's been very effective with Lamar. Um, a lot of the pinpoint throws aren't going to continue, but but he has a good chance to um, use his legs effectively in the red zone and give other teams continue to give other teams fits. But I'm just really happy that they invested in positional coaching this offseason, including bringing in Lewis for the wide receivers and bringing in Chuck Smith for the pass rushers. Yep, just and uh, Denard Wilson for the defensive backs. I think they've done a great job with definitely putting this coaching staff together. It doesn't affect your salary cap, so. Yep. Uh, you can have a Brandon Stevens playing at uh, three times, five times what he's making uh, level, um, and you, you don't have to pay for it against your cap. That helps you out for sure. So uh, last point I wanted to make uh, before we wrap up, or, or I believe this is our sixth, fifth or sixth episode of this series, Calvin Oy, uh official terms came out, 1.6 million, 1.4, I believe, counts against the cap, but maybe some of that deferral veteran benefit. Um, so just looking at it here, uh, after the draft, 
the Ravens had holes at outside linebacker and cornerback, two premium positions. I was very concerned. A lot of people were concerned. One of the things that they um, that gives them a little bit more margin for error as far as the opportunity cost of investing in the wrong players is the willingness to borrow a little bit from the future with the up with uh, void years. But the other thing is just how the Costa was able to attract competent starting caliber players for a low cost. So you have Carl Van Noy for 1.4, Jadavian Clowney for 2.5, Ronald Darby for 1.7, and Rocky Seen for 4 million. That's four premium positions, starting caliber players for less than $10 million. If you are able to do that every season, and I don't think you are, but if you are, then you can atone and compensate for paying Roquan Smith and potentially drafting uh, Trenton Simpson and other players like that. A tone is an interesting choice of words there because it, it definitely <laughs> it always slants that conversation a certain way. But I, I understand what you mean by that. Um, it's it, it is wonderful. And and if you look back at Ravens history, um, it was Ozzie Newsom had an unbelievable run of top free agent signings between about 1997. Started with McCrary, and it was Woodson, you know, Adams, you know, it was sharp. It was sharp. Yeah, it was it was those guys until the horrible mess of 2001 when he got two absolute duds, Leon Searcy yep. and Elvis Gerback. Yep. So you can, uh, you, it can go wrong in a hurry. Um, th- those guys, uh, they get forgotten pretty quickly and, and there are incentives to be paid on those contracts, I believe. So someone like Clowney is going to end up making more money than what we're seeing now, just the way Houston did. Um, but, but anyway, it's, I don't well, think any a- widow would argue. Uh, uh- are his incentives uh, tied to pressures or uh, to? Sex? Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but in any case, I don't think anyone would argue with the price on Clowney, even if incentives were significant. Oh, no question. He he's uh, was my defensive MVP for the article we put out on the Baltimore Beatdown round through four games. Okay, through four games. Yep. Uh, the four seventeenths poll, as we now need to call it, right? Right. Right. All right. <laughs> All right. Outstanding. Uh, always a pleasure doing the show with you, Voss. Uh, where can people talk to football with you online? Uh, I am at Baltimore Beatdown as the co-manager editor and author. And on Twitter slash X, I am at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S. And also have a podcast called The Raven's Way at Raven's Way Pod. Outstanding. Okay. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Very open as to topic type. Uh, one thing, I'm, we're going to try to moderate a debate coming up between two friends who have very different ideas about something. I thought how much fun that would be. And I, you know, I'd be happy someday to go on with Voss to debate uh, you know, organizational strategies with him on somebody else's pod. I thought that'd be fun. So if you and a friend have, have very different views on something, I'd love to, to kind of ask some questions of both of you and uh, you know, do it that way. But I'm looking forward are to you that. The ju- are you the judge? I will, so I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, nobody's going to be a judge. I, I'll be the moderator. Okay. I'll ask some questions, but you know, the, 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 whoever listens to the thing can be the judge and decide who's the, who's there the, you uh, go. but anyway, uh, uh, Voss, always a pleasure to do, do this show with you for Ken McCusick. Uh, I, I, I sorry, sir, for Voss Larikos, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye and we'll talk to you next week on Friday morning GM. When 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.